This is a recording of Two Notes on the Language Used in the Last Supper Accounts by Robert S. Boylan. Published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture. Read by Sean Canney. Abstract The institution of the Lord's Supper is recounted explicitly in four New Testament texts. Matthew 26, 26-29, Mark 14, 22-25, Luke 22, 19-20, 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. Common to all these texts is the phrase, This is my body. And in the Lucan and Pauline texts, the command to do this in remembrance of me. In this paper, I will examine both the grammatical and theological implications of this is my body, and the concept of remembrance in the theology of the Last Supper, with how Latter-day Saints can appropriate such in their weekly observance of this sacred ordinance. This brief article addresses two exegetical issues about the language used in the institutional narratives of the Last Supper in the New Testament, this is my body, and remembrance. This is my body. The phrase, this is my body, is the translation of the two Greek phrases, tuto estin to sumamu, in Matthew 26, 26, Mark 14, 22, and Luke 22:19, literally, this is the body of me, and tuto muestin tasmoi, in 1 Corinthians 11.24, literally, This of me is the body. A rather technical argument has been made to support more substantial views of the nature of the Eucharist by Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and Lutheran authors based on this language against the more symbolic understanding of the Supper. The argument is that as the demonstrative this, tuto, is a demonstrative neuter singular. It cannot refer to the term bread, artos, which is masculine, but rather the noun body, summa, which is neuter. As a result of this, and the fact that it is coupled with the verb imi, to be, Christ, according to some commentators, is teaching that the bread literally becomes the body of Jesus. With an alternative translation, this new entity is the body of me. Something at first blush problematic for Latter-day Saint theology, which does not hold to a transformation of the substance of the bread and water during the celebration of the supper. It is correct that the referent for the demonstrative this is body. However, it would be problematic to read much into such grammar. In Greek grammar, there is an interpretive imi, wherein the verb imi, often in conjunction with tuto, or ti, has the definition of meaning or this means. Two notable instances of such can be seen in Matthew 27.46 and Luke 18.36. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, tut istin, to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46.
and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. Epsilonita toto. Luke 18.36 A symbolic meaning of this is my body can still be retained, notwithstanding claims to the contrary. Furthermore, taking is, in a literalistic manner, would result in some problems if one were to be consistent in approach to the verb imi. For instance, in Luke 22.20, both cup, potetion, and the demonstrative are singular neuters. However, in theologies that hold to a substantial bodily view of the nature of the real presence, it is not the cup, but the contents thereof, i.e. the wine, that is transformed into the blood of Christ. Of course, just as this is my body is a literary device, the interpretive imi, and should not be taken in a literalistic fashion, neither should this cup be interpreted as being the blood of the new covenant. In reality, it too is a literary device. Synecdoche, all of which are harmonious with Latter-day Saint theology of the Lord's Supper. Of course, a close identification of the consecrated bread and wine water with the body and blood of Christ is not problematic for LDS theology and scripture. Consider the following from the Book of Mormon, which records the very words of Christ himself. And this shall ye always observe to do, even as I have done, even as I have broken bread and blessed it, and given it unto you. And this shall ye do in remembrance of my body, which I have shown unto you. And it shall be a testimony unto the Father, that ye do always remember me. And if ye do always remember me, ye shall have my spirit to be with you. And now, behold, this is the commandment which I give unto you, that ye shall not suffer any one knowingly to partake of my flesh and blood unworthily, when ye shall minister it. For whoso eateth and drinketh my flesh and blood unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to his soul. Therefore, if ye know that a man is unworthy to eat and drink of my flesh and blood, ye shall forbid him. Nevertheless, ye shall not cast him out from among you, but ye shall minister unto him, and shall pray for him unto the Father in my name. And if it so be that he repenteth and is baptized in my name, then shall ye receive him, and shall minister unto him of my flesh and blood. 3 Nephi 18 Six through seven, twenty-eight through thirty. The noun anamnesis, translated as remembrance, is used in two of the institutional narratives of the Lord's Supper. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, "This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance, anamnesis of me." Luke twenty-two nineteen. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance, anamnesis, of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance, anamnesis, of me. 1 Corinthians 11. 
24-25. The term appears five times in the Septuagint. Four of these five instances are used within the context of a sacrifice, the exception being Wisdom of Solomon 16.6. The NRSV translates the verse as follows. They were troubled for a little while as a warning, and received a symbol of deliverance to remind, Anamnesis, them of your law's command. The other instance of this term in the Septuagint are Leviticus 24.7, Numbers 10.10, and Psalms 38.1, Septuagint 37.1 and 71, Septuagint 69.1. The NRSV captures the original language texts rather well. You shall put frankincense with each row to be a token offering for the bread, as an offering, a numnesis by fire to the Lord, Leviticus 24.7. Also, on your days of rejoicing, at your appointed festivals, and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings, and over your sacrifices of well-being. They shall serve as a reminder, Nomnesis, on your behalf before the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Numbers 10.10 A Psalm of David for the Memorial Offering. Anomnesis. Psalm 38.1 To the Leader of David for the Memorial Offering. Anomnesis. Psalms 71. The term is only used one other passage in the Greek New Testament. Speaking of the iterative Old Covenant sacrifices, the author of Hebrews wrote, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance, anomnesis, again made of sins every year. Hebrews 10.3. Unlike the Old Covenant sacrifices, Jesus' sacrifice is a one-time event by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hebrews 10, 10-14 Therefore, in light of all these considerations, Jesus' command to do that in remembrance of me, therefore, is a command not simply to remember Jesus in a physiological sense merely, but to remember what Jesus has done for us, that is, his atoning sacrifice a sacrifice that, unlike those of the Old Covenant, is not iterative, but once for all, using a Greek term that denotes finality, or once and never again, aphapax. Max Thurian, a Reformed Protestant theologian who, at the end of his life, would convert to Catholicism, noted the following about the meaning of anomnesis. Douglas Jones seems disturbed by those writers who accord the word memorial a primarily sacrificial meaning. In this I am in agreement with them. The twofold meaning of the word must be emphasized, 
in that it can mean both a recalling to men and a recalling to God, in praise and supplication. When it is applied to the Eucharist, the term means, first of all, the presence of the divine activity on behalf of his people, as a recalling to the believer, and the presence before God of what he has done in the course of the history of salvation, as a recalling in praise and supplication. The term memorial, also, has a secondary meaning, which refers to the sacrificial understanding of the Eucharist. It does not have this at its primary meaning, but when it is used of the Eucharist, it shows how, and in what sense it can be conceived as a sacrifice. That is, only in the sense that it is an act of proclamation, a memorial before men and before God, a presence and an actualization of the unique sacrifice of Christ. The earliest Christians seem to have understood this nuance. As one scholar wrote of the Eucharist during the time of Justin Martyr, A.D. 100-165, through 165, In Justin's account, the prayer said at the Eucharist is extemporaneous, and this is likely to have been the general rule. From other 2nd and 3rd century witnesses, we can possibly glimpse something of the broad pattern such improvised prayers may have taken. In accordance with Jewish traditions of giving thanks at meals, Eucharist prayers seem often to have consisted of at least two aspects, remembrance, Greek, anamnesis, and invocation, Greek, epiklesis. Remembrance meant recollecting the saving acts of God in the history of Jesus and perhaps reciting the words of Jesus at the Last Supper as an institutional narrative for the meal. Invocation meant appealing for the Holy Spirit to come upon the worshippers and to accept their thanksgiving. This parallels the underlying theology of the prayers used by Latter-day Saints to consecrate the bread and water, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of Jesus, Moroni 4.3, to bless and sanctify this wine or water to the souls of all those who drink of it, that they may do it in remembrance of the blood of Jesus which was shed for them. Moroni 5.2 Conclusion While the terms this is my body and remembrance at first blush may seem rather simple and straightforward, our study has shown certain nuances that, when read in the light of the Greek language, have added meanings, meanings that add to the symbolism and importance of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper both in antiquity and in modern practice. Furthermore, in light of these interpretive issues, it is the hope of the author that readers will have a better appreciation for the underlying theology of the Last Supper accounts in the New Testament, a greater appreciation of one's own partaking of the ordinance each Sunday, a strong focus on the sacrificial remembrance of the once-for-all atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ an appreciation of studying the original language text of the Bible, and a fuller appreciation of the inexhaustible depths of Scripture. Robert S. Boylan is a graduate of the Pontifical University of Ireland, Maynooth, and the National University of Ireland, Maynooth, with degrees in theology and anthropology, with extensive research in biblical exegesis, history of interpretation, and historical theology. 
His main areas of focus are the Old World origins of the Book of Mormon and Latter-day Saint theology in light of the historical critical method of exegesis. He blogs on these and related topics at scripturalmormonism.blogspot.com. He has also written three books on theological issues. Not by Scripture Alone, a Latter-day Saint refutation of Sola Scriptura, Create Space, 2017. Behold the Mother of My Lord, Towards a Mormon Mariology, Create Space, 2017. And, After the Order of the Son of God, The Biblical and Historical Evidence for the Latter-day Saint Theology of the Priesthood, Create Space, 2018. He currently lives in Tralee, in the southwest of Ireland, and is pursuing qualifications in accountancy. This has been a recording of Two Notes on the Language Used in the Last Supper Accounts by Robert S. Boylan, originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 28, 2018, read by Sean Canney. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited, and it is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.